Welcome to Confessing the Faith, a podcast devoted to discussions concerning Christian doctrine and the Christian life. My name is Mike Tizier, and I'm joined again today by Joe Anity. And uh, we're, we're talking about a really cool topic today. I mean, not that we don't talk about awesome topics every time, in my opinion, but um, I'm excited about this one because it's been something we've been passionate about as a church and something that we'll talk about more later, but is distinctive about Emmaus. Um, but uh, we're talking about children in church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, it's a very so, important topic for us to uh, discuss and use the word, Mike, that I was going to use. It is, I think, something that is a, it's a distinctive of Emmaus Christian Fellowship. We have a document in our foundation documents uh, collection. We have a lot of foundation documents uh, that just kind of define various aspects of the church. But um, there is a document called Emmaus Distinctives, and if I were to be completely honest, some of the things listed on there aren't terribly distinct. (laughs) Uh uh, One of them is, for example, we are Reformed, and there are a lot of Reformed Christians. Another is we are Baptists. And what I mean by that is not that we are a part of a denomination, uh, Baptist denomination, but that we believe in baptism for believers. And of course, Mm -hmm. we're not at all real, we're we're not unique in that regard. But one of the things listed there is that we are um, family-oriented in our approach, and it it does communicate this idea that um, we are doing church a little bit differently than I think most churches do. And it really is a distinctive. I would imagine that most churches still have uh, what we would call a children's ministry or a children's church. Mm-hmm. The idea being that the corporate worship time is age segregated. Right. And, uh, and, and we decided it's probably been a couple of years ago now. More. I don't I know. Think it's been more, more attempt to, to move away from that model and to have, Maybe uh, it just feels like more, but yeah, it's been at least a couple of years. Yeah, it feels like a long time no. <laughs> uh, to, to be in the, the worship service with us. So, uh, I think it needs to be addressed. Yeah. So why do we need to talk about this topic? Well, I think it, it is a distinctive, but I think it is also, quite honestly, a, a challenge for some who are coming into uh, the church for, uh, for the first time. You know, yeah, definitely. Um, I see it as a potential barrier. You know, it can be kind of a difficult thing to to, to get over um, in a couple of regards. One, I think that some folks come to the church expecting that there's going to be a full blown children's ministry program. Uh, you know, that's just kind of the expectation. Of course, you have something for the kids, right? It's been the standard that's kind of been set by most churches. And, yeah, for the last, uh, I don't know, 100 years, you know, um, almost. Well, yeah, probably about 100 years, I guess. Uh, and so when they come in and they see, oh, there's no children's ministry program, some have this initial response to that. Well, you don't care about our kids then, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Of course, from our perspective, it's exactly the opposite. It's that we do care deeply about the children, um, they think, well, now my kids in this church are going to miss out on something. And, of course, our opinion is exactly the opposite, is that they are missing out on something when we send them away right. uh, from the, the corporate worship gathering. But that's something that needs to be addressed and, and, and overcome. Right. And I think some some may have even – I've even heard this response like, oh, well, when you grow as a church, maybe you'll, you're, you're planning to add that, right? I mean, right. Like well, the reality this. is we had it at the very beginning, yeah. and it was <laughs> in terms of – uh, as children's ministries go, it was functioning quite well. We have a lot of mm-hmm. educators in our congregation and are completely able of, you know, of staffing such a thing. But it was an intentional decision to move away from it, you know, not because we couldn't, but because we we even had check-in where we had little printouts. We of, did. Uh, we we had yeah. The kids had labels outs. on their back. Yeah. Oh, you know? yeah. it, it was fancy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was probably a frustration. Actually, the barcode thing, whatever. Anyways, um, so. 
I think that needs to be overcome. That that mindset, you know, someone comes to the church with a family. Uh, some come to us because they heard we are taking this approach and they're, they're looking for it. But there are others who come in and they go, what in the world? This church doesn't even have some for our kids. And that's troublesome to them. I think others, just the thought of um, having to manage their, their small children in a worship service overwhelms them too. So we get those difficulties. Um, um, yeah. For a single mom, for example, to walk in with three kids that are little, you know, mm-hmm. that's, it's hard. We're not denying that. Um, you know, for a, for a, a family, mom and dad there with, with, with a few little ones under the age of five or something. Um, right. I, we get it that it's intimidating. We just have grown convinced that it's totally worth it mm-hmm. to face those challenges and that there's, there's ways, there's ways to remedy those, um, those challenges that don't involve sending the kids out of the worship service. Yeah. Well, what do parents need, parents need to know to help overcome those difficulties? I think it's first of all just important for them to understand uh, why this is important. So to understand the rationale behind it, you know, for us just to say, yeah, we don't do children's ministry, we don't do children's church, and then to leave it at that isn't very helpful, right? <laughs> why, you know? So the, the rationale needs to be provided, and I think it's very important for families to understand that rationale and to really believe that it's important, you know, to do church in this way. I, I don't suspect that a family would last very long at Emmaus if they're there and they're kind of struggling with their kids and it is difficult. It's hard to get them to church and they're squirrely in the service. It, it would, I, I don't suspect they would last very long um, if they just don't really believe right. in the importance of having them there and putting in all of that effort uh, required, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're probably going to go find another a place to worship where they have, um, you know, a, a children's ministry or children's church. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the rationale for having the children in the worship service. So what is that? Yeah, a number of years ago we began to, well, actually I'd have to start many, many years ago. I mean, I, I, I uh, was a youth pastor for a long time, first a junior high youth director, then a then, then a youth pastor full time. So I, I kind of, I live for, I, I don't know, 10 years in that world of, uh, um, you, you know, doing ministry with a very particular age group and having that age group segregated off from the rest of the congregation. I lived in that world. I worked closely with uh, children's ministry directors. Um, over the process of time, I even as I was working in that arena, began to notice some real uh, difficulties, you know, some problems perhaps with that approach. Um, but as we uh, planted Emmaus Christian Fellowship, uh, we, uh, myself, other leaders began to study, you know, this issue. So why do we do this exactly? You know, where did this practice come from? And we began to look first and foremost to the scriptures going, is it a, is it a biblical principle, you know, that we segregate the church in this way? And we grew convinced over time that, no, what you see in, in, uh, in the scriptures is that the church is called to gather together and it's to be a multi-generational uh, experience, you know, where the older are to invest into the younger. Um, I, I'm not really prepared to give a full-blown biblical, uh, you know, defense of this topic right now because I think it would take too long. But, you know, just for example, if you read Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, he writes to them, and in, I believe it is chapter 5, he begins to address different portions of that congregation, husbands, right? Uh, wives, but he even addresses the children 
You know, so there's something implied there. It is that as this letter is being read to the church, there are children who are present hearing this exhortation from the, from the Apostle Paul, right? They're, they're there in the presence, and they're being exhorted to honor their, uh, honor their parents, you know, and, and to, to respect them according to the Scriptures. Um, and I think it should, can just be argued that throughout the history of redemption, we, we see this emphasis upon a multi-generational experience in worship, um, this emphasis upon the responsibility of the family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, nowhere, certainly, do we see any explicit teaching suggesting that we ought to have our worship experiences segregated in any way, you know, according to race, according to gender, according to um, age either. And so that is our primary um, concern is to do church according to the scriptures, um, you know, and and to really um, have the people of God, uh, young and old, come together. In, in this worship experience. Yeah. I remember when we were going through this topic a little bit more in depth, um, at a leadership retreat, we read a book and I do not remember the title of that book. Well, there were a number of books we read. Yeah, it was one particular we were discussing that day and I don't remember it. There was a but book called a weed in the church. That's what it was. was. A, yeah. it, just, just fair warning here. I don't, we, we didn't come away from this study agreeing with everything in every book. Right. Read. But right. go ahead. Yeah. It just, it just, just, I just remember this, this thought being the centerpiece of just what kind of helped, I think helped me get through that too. Just why are we doing what we're doing? Like, right. let's get back to that question. Cause it's something we've been done, but we've done for so long. Like the church we came out of, that's what we were doing. A lot of churches around us, that's what they do. And I'm saying what they do is the children's ministry in the, at the same time as the worship service. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's not, we kind of just forgot to ask that question. Well, let's, why are we doing that in the first place? And yeah. that's the important question. Well, it, and it, right, isn't it interesting that we see it as like the norm mm-hmm. in our culture yeah. to, to have the children and the youth off somewhere else during the worship service? I think in some churches it's, no, you're not allowed to bring your kids in here, right, because we're right. afraid they're going to be a disruption. So that's just kind of the, um, the the norm. But then you begin to look, you see, oh, the, it hasn't always been this way. Right. In fact, if you study church history, you find it's a very modern and new concept, mm-hmm. you know, prior to the 1900s, the, the, the family came to church together, right? Yeah. They, they prepared for church together. They came to church together. They sat through church together. They went home together. Uh, that, that was the model. And uh, so, yeah, we just do certain things and we assume it's always been this way, but uh, to dig a little bit, you might find out that no, and, and this is a more of a modern and novel concept. Right. And what are the benefits? Let's say, because there are a ton, but what are the benefits of having children in the corporate worship service with the adults? Yeah, well, can I address some of the consequences first, too? And that's a way to get at this, yeah, I guess. Yeah. But you, you, we start with the scripture. What, what do the scriptures say? But also, I think um, after we began to really look at uh, the church in America today, right, we go, you know what? Youth pastors are well intended. I was one, right? <laughs> um, uh, children's ministry directors are, are well intended. I know that pastors who serve in church were—they're well. I, I get that. I'm not calling into question people's motives here, but it is interesting that the evangelical church in America is always kind of scratching their heads, going, "What's going on here? Um, you know, why? Why is it that uh, our children are growing up and they're turning 18, 19, 20, going off to college or whatever, moving on with life, and they leave the church. You know, we're just, we, we have this crisis, you know, and I always see it written about in publications. Yep. We have this crisis. Why, why are they, 
are they leaving the church? And I've come to believe that one of the reasons that they're leaving the church is because they never were a part of it mm-hmm. growing up. They were part of an isolated They were part of something, of something else. else. Yeah, and it's always it's usually done totally different too. Well, right. So you think about what goes on, and even well-done children's ministries, right, even where there is substantial teaching and stuff, yeah. they're, they're not – they're not taking part in the activities of the church, the, the worship of the church. They're doing yeah. something else. Yeah. Uh, same could be said about you know, the, the, the approach with our uh, junior hires and high schoolers typically mm-hmm. when we send them off. You know, and so it's no wonder then that when they turn 19 or 20, I mean, and what do some churches do? Well, let's create a college group. Yep. So so what, what do you have to do? You just have to bump this up one more level, you know, to still a- appeal to this um, – this demographic who are expecting something catered to them, right, in isolation from the broader body of Christ. And then in churches that are devoted to a model like this, after college, uh, a college group is ended, you know, the, the time has come to move on from that. Then you have uh, young singles or young marrieds, and it just goes on forever and ever and ever, you know, segregated in this generational way. I, I just, I, I think for us, and please hear me, I'm not trying to really criticize those who are devoted to this other model. I, I know you're well-intended. I know good things come out of it. I'm not calling that into question, you know, as if I'm saying it's all bad. But for us, the more we thought about these things, we said, you know what? It, it may it may be that there are unintended consequences associated mm-hmm. with this model that we've grown so used to, right? And that actually our children and our youth are missing out on an awful right. lot. Um, that they could be um, exposed to if they were just in the service with with families. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of little side notes we could go on with this, but just to throw out there, I mean, a lot of youth youth ministries. And again, this is a blanket statement, so obviously this isn't going to be attributed to every every youth ministry. But you know, when you when you dumb down the content of whatever it is, or the the environment, the atmosphere of whatever of of what you're trying to get across to these kids. So let's go to high school, for example. A a lot of youth groups tend to to focus on entertaining. You know, we want to get them engaged and have them pay attention. And so we we tend to dumb down this message to be, uh, it's it's about having fun, and then also we're going to learn about God. And and that treating kids as if they're younger than they are, or, you know, it's the opposite of what we want to be doing, right? We want to be treating people like they're older than they are. because Call, Calling them to maturity, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. is the issue here. Yeah. I think it's true. I mean, so, and the fear is, well, then we'll lose them. How, how do you know? Yeah. It's not my experience. Yeah. It, it's just not. Prove it. I, I, actually, I would say a lot of young people, especially if the Lord is authentically moving upon their hearts, they're desiring substance. Yeah. You know, they're, <laughs> I don't know. Prove it. That That's what I would say. I think the church has done quite well throughout church history, uh, you, you know, with that older traditional model of mm-hmm. families worshiping together. Yeah. I, I think we're actually um, robbing them of something mm-hmm. very important when we yeah. when we send them out constantly from the corporate uh, worship gathering of the church. Yeah. Yep. Um, what are the benefits was the question you asked of having children in the corporate worship service with the adults. Um, well, I think, first of all, they experience what it is to be a part of the church. That's a huge benefit, and I, I just alluded to the problem of not allowing this, right? They don't know what it is to be a part of the church, so they find it very difficult to jump in at age 18 or 19. But I think it's just important for them to be saturated in the church, you know, to know what it is to interact with people older than them and to know what it is to listen to a sermon and, and so on and so forth, right? It's there that they, they hear the word preached um, from from a young age, you know, from even age 
to two or three, they're, they're listening to sermons, you know, and they're just getting used to what that is. Uh, they're singing songs of truth, my little niece. Uh, the other day, I think my mom was watching her, and uh, she was out in the living room. My mom was in the kitchen, and she overhears her uh, singing Rock of Ages, right? Cute little thing, little little blonde girl, you know, and she's just out there singing rock. I'm not going to try to imitate her. I'd sound horrible, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that 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 that, uh, that wonderful hymn that I love so much as well. But she's just there singing it. She learned, and she's, how old is she? I don't know. You, she's two. She's two, right? Yeah. Same age as, uh, as my son. Yeah, as your son. son yeah. Two years old, and she's singing this hymn. Um I think also what they do is they see the Lord's Supper administered for us now. It's week after week. Um, they might not they may not be partaking of the Lord's Supper if they have not yet been baptized, right? Um, but they're watching. They're, they're, they're watching, and, and they're, they're understanding something about uh, the symbolism that is there um, being communicated through the Supper. In fact, I know for for us with our children, the 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 um, the observation of the Lord's Supper has provoked so many wonderful conversations with my kids. You know, when can I take it, Daddy? Or what does it mean? What does it symbolize? You know, when can I be baptized? Uh, I mean, it just, it brings all this stuff to the forefront. Mm-hmm. So it's so beneficial. Even if they're not partaking of it, they're, they're seeing it. They're symbolized before them. And they're reminded that that's a, a goal to get to, like to, to grow to maturity to achieve something, right. you know, that, right. Yeah. Uh, and for those who are uh, who have made a credible profession of faith and who've been baptized, they're they're partaking of it uh, with the church. That's very significant, by the way. I mean, Christ has commanded us as a church to come together, to assemble together, and He's given us this sacrament, this ordinance to observe. Um, uh, we we believe, and we're practicing it this way weekly, you know, as a way of feasting upon Christ. Um, so so when we send our children off to children's ministry or to youth ministry or whatever we want to call it, we're, we're, we're barring them from that. We're putting them away from that, right? I doubt, or I don't think it should happen, but I doubt that the Lord's Supper is being observed in those contexts. It shouldn't be, um, right? So they're actually being barred from the, su- the supper. Mm-hmm. Of course, we don't do that on purpose, but that's the unintended consequence of this, right? Um, they, they enjoy fellowship with young and old. It's wonderful for me to see uh, older folks in our church engage with the young ones. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. That's a, that's an important skill for them to learn to look to learn to, how to look an adult in the eye and have a conversation. To learn how to shake someone's hand. You know what I mean? Uh, that's important stuff. Uh, they're involved in the prayer. What I'm trying to get at here is essentially that um, our, our young people, by being involved in the corporate worship service with the adults, are, are being exposed to the means of grace mm. every Sunday. And what's happening is that they, even as very young children, are being called to faith. They're being called to repentance by the means of grace that Christ has ordained. They're hearing the word. They're participating in fellowship. They're they're participating in prayer. And they're, at the very least, observing uh, the supper, right? Um, watching it be being observed or, or they themselves are partaking. They're being exposed to the means of grace, and they're being called continually to faith and repentance by them. So if they have not yet made a credible profession of faith, they're being called to it. Um, There may be faith authentically in their heart even before they can make a credible profession. I understand that. But if there is real faith there, then they're being uh, called to walk in that and to be strengthened in it continuously. You know, here's here's probably a, a verse that those devoted to children's ministry and youth ministry would quote. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me, 
and do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. I think that's probably a you know a great motto verse for a children's ministry or youth ministry program. And that's how they would respond to all this, saying, don't hinder the little children from coming to Jesus. And what I would want to say is, that's our verse. <laughs> that's exactly what we're saying. Where is Christ? Well, he is present uh, in his church. We are the body of Christ. And so do not hinder the children from coming uh, and participating with Christ through his body, which is manifested in not only the universal church, but the local church. Um, yeah as the saints assemble together. That's what the word church means, ecclesia, the assembling, right? So as the saints assemble together, let the children come and be a part of that and in so doing um, experience that that union with Christ, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's the benefit of it, right, is uh, we're, we're bringing them along. Uh, we are allowing them to be exposed to the means of grace, and we're, and we're just preparing them for a lifetime in the church mm-hmm. is what we're doing. Uh, by exposing them to it and allowing them to be a part of it from a young age. Yeah. Yeah. What about the concern that children cannot understand what is being taught in the worship service? Again, I would just say prove it. You know, it, it, it's such a common <laughs> accusation. Well, they can't understand anything. Not my experience at all. It's just not. I, I get it. A, a, a three-year-old cannot grasp what a 15-year-old or a 50-year-old will grasp. I'll admit that but you would be so surprised at what a three-year-old does grasp. Yeah. You'd be surprised. You'd be really surprised at what a 10-year-old grasps. You know, I mean, it, it, it's amazing. Uh, they, they learn so much in the corporate worship service, even when the sermon is directed towards mainly those who are of adult age. They pick up on a lot. Um, I think they learn through observation and experience too. You have to remember that, that though, you know, 50% of the words might be over their head during the sermon, they're, they're learning something just because they're there and they're watching. They're learning what it is. They're learning the importance of being there, right? They're learning about what the church is just by looking around the room and observing what goes on uh, from Sunday to Sunday. They're learning through the songs that we do engage them, by the way, in age-specific teaching during the service. It's very brief, but we bring them up to the front at Emmaus for a little bit of catechism instruction. Um, this is right after, like, our first worship through song segment, you know, and right before the sermon. But it gives the kids a chance to get their wiggles out a little bit. They come up, they sit on the front row, um, and then right now it's Phil who uh, does the teaching primarily. And he introduces the catechism question for the week. And he teaches to their level, kind of. I will admit that even here, it's kind of geared towards adults also. It's almost a time to right. expose the, the parents yeah. and the adults to the catechism and to give a little insight there. But but he is. He's addressing them. He's addressing them. Uh, I think they learn through the symbolism of the Lord's Supper. After all, that is what the Lord's Supper does is it, it preaches the gospel to us, but through um, visible means. You know, so they see the body of Christ broken and the blood, um, the blood that was shed for us, symbolized there in the sacrament. Um, and again, they do learn from the sermon. We provide for them an active listener guide each week, and it's it's very basic. It's a place for them to take notes or to draw pictures. You know, we try to encourage them to draw pictures about the sermon. Sometimes I find pictures of machine guns and 
stuff like that. <laughs> Oftentimes I find, you know, but they're doodling. That's fine. But in the active listener guide, what I do is I always provide a very basic outline for the sermon. Very simple with the fill in the blank thing for the kids. And it's there up on the, the screen for them to copy down or I'll put uh, keywords or phrases. I'll list them and, uh, and they're to check every time they hear them, just trying to keep them engaged. For some of the kids, it's probably not that effective. For others, they're really into, you know, getting every answer right and mm-hmm. making, you know, making a check every time they hear a word. So, I mean, we're doing that. We're engaging them in that regard. Sometimes I directly um, address them in the sermon to, you know, and kids or, or youth. Uh, this is for you. Um, but, but they are learning from the sermon, and especially when uh, parents begin to reinforce these truths uh, after church, you know, in the car on the way home or, or at home. It is really the parent's job or the guardian's job to take what was ever taught and, and to kind of digest it a bit and, and to give it to give it to the children, you know, in a way that is a bit more appropriate for them and, and age-specific, right? And I was just talking with someone this past Sunday who um, it was at our baptism and we were sitting outside and having a conversation. He was just rejoicing over all the wonderful questions his his kid asks him after church on Sundays. You know, Dad, Joe, Joe was saying uh, that there's one God who eternally exists in three persons. The Father's, you know, he didn't use this language. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. How can that be? Yeah. <laughs> uh, is, isn't that a wonderful thing that our kids are picking up on something and they're asking? I mean, that might be intimidating for some to have to talk about that. But that, that, to me, that's great. Yeah. That's tremendous. Yeah. Um, you, you know, so it's true there. They're not going to catch everything. But again, we're, we're calling them to maturity and it should be that there are things that are said that they don't just don't get and that they're going to bring those things up, you know, as they as, as they interact with the church and hear sermons week to week. And that'll give parents and guardians an opportunity to address them. Yeah, I think that and that that goes on to continually encourage parents um, to do family worship because you know, they're the kids are asking questions or you're wanting to reinforce the teaching. As you just said, that, that implies that need to be doing that at home. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And, and I think that's a beautiful thing that we might miss out on not realizing that, uh, you know, sending kids to their own service during the service. And that's really the key. Cause we're, we're not about like, we're, we're, as we'll talk about later, it's not about teaching kids age specifically. It's about keeping the whole church together. You, maintaining right, the unity right, of the church. Right. But you're right, Mike. I mean, listen, we gather together on the Lord's Day. It's the first day of the week. Uh, when we say the, uh, the, when we sing the doxology and say the benediction, it doesn't mean, all right, everything's done here. Well, really what it means is, okay, now it's time for you to go and to discuss this further and to apply this to your lives as adults and as families. Yeah, take whatever it is that you hear on a Sunday and and discuss it with your children in in, yeah. the, in the home. That's what we're encouraging. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when, not that this is true of every children's ministry or every youth ministry, but, tip, you know, maybe typically what happens is that, yeah, you kind of outsource the responsibility yeah. of teaching your yeah. children the faith, don't you? You know, it, it's, you send them off to get the instruction, and there might be very little uh, – continuity between what is happening in the Sunday school or the, or the children's ministry and, and in the home, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I would imagine that some churches do this better than the others where they do really try to encourage involvement with the parents. And that's wonderful. You know, that's, that's, that's good. Um, but in my experience, it's kind of like 
the kids walk out with some something they've colored or some craft they made, and that's kind of the extent of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't see much else, so you're not interacting on deeper levels than that. And uh, yeah, that's the idea: is that uh, parents would be involved, guardians would be involved, and if there's no parent or guardian, then that others in the church who are kind of serving as in that role in some in some young person's life would be involved and mm-hmm. in helping the, the the young one to to grasp the faith. Mm-hmm. Does Emmaus offer anything that is specifically designed for children and youth? Yeah, for a while now, um, I'm evidently bad at remembering how long things have been going on, but for a while now we've had a, a youth service at um, in our home. Lindsay and I have opened up our home on a Thursday night, and we have uh, middle schoolers come, and uh, that's been wonderful, you know, uh, it, so, so we're not opposed to age-specific instruction. We really do believe that it is the church's responsibility to teach. That's one of the church's responsibilities. And pastors are obligated to teach, not, not just those who are in adulthood, but also the younger. You know, that, that responsibility is there. There are some movements within this like family-integrated, family-oriented type um, model who I think go too far. And what they do is they say never should uh, the the pastor instruct directly to the child or to the youth. It always has to be through parents. And I, th- I think that's going too far because, in fact, the pastor is to shepherd young and old, male and female, rich and poor, right? And, and, and so we, we see that that um, responsibility exists. And so, yeah, Lindsay and I, we have youth over to our house and what do we do? We, we go over the catechism for that week. We have kind of a structure to that where we move through the catechism every couple of years. And so we go over that. Um, we talk about the sermon from the previous Sunday. Sometimes that's a real joyful experience for me where they remember a lot. Other times I have to drag it out of them, I'll admit, but it's still, it's a connection back to that corporate worship time that we had. It's, it's good. And we're going through a book um, right now, a book by R.C. Sproul called The Essential Truths of the Christian Faith. It's a, it's a great study, a, a systematic study of the scriptures. And, uh, yeah, and I love it. It's great. And it's a time for me to kind of break the stuff down a little bit more and to help them apply it on a level that makes sense to them. Um, also, we decided a, a bit ago that um, we would like to develop a Sunday school for children and you might hear that and go, well, that's odd. I thought you were just talking about moving away from that model. It's, it's totally different what I'm saying here. Uh, historically, that this has been a traditional thing that uh, Sunday school would be offered for both adults and children prior to the corporate worship service of the church that is unified, completely unified. And we would like to move towards that. Uh, we're currently doing that for adults. We're currently doing it for adults. We we call it Emmaus Essentials. More and more I'm using the lingo of Sunday school, just kind of more um, widely accepted language. You know, people know what you're talking about typically. And what do we do there? We we go through essential issues of the Christian faith. You know, we study eschatology. We study the doctrine of Scripture. We study the doctrine of, of the church or the doctrine of God and, and whatever, just a variety of th- subjects. And I think, yeah, it, it would be great for our uh, little ones to have some systematic instruction, too, that is really geared towards them. But what's the point? The point is that they get it, and then we come together for worship so that they really are um, participating in the life of the church. 
even from a young age. Um, that's the issue. We don't want to violate the unity of the church, uh, but we do believe that age-specific instruction um, can be given. Now, when we when we do that, we we we've had many conversations about this as as a leadership team, as an elder um, elder team. Anything we do in that regard, we want it to be done in such a way where it is closely tied to the work that the parents are doing in the home. It's not undermining it, but it's supplementing it. It's not undermining it, but it's encouraging it, right? Right. Um, in fact, just to illustrate how we've done this with our youth, okay, um, the, the youth come on Thursday night having been prepared by their parents. So it is expected that in the home they've worked on the catechism. In the home they've talked about the sermon from the previous week to some extent, some review has taken place. And in the home, they've read uh, the chapter uh, from Sproul's book, you know. Uh, so the, when, when they come to, on a Thursday night, it's their, it's kind of their second exposure to these things. Right. Sometimes third, you know, they heard it on Sunday and they've talked about it with their parents. And so, so that's the idea. Again, we're not saying here, give us your kids so that you can outsource the responsibility of, um, raising them in the faith, but we're saying here, we, we, we are the church. I'm a pastor and our desire is to, to teach and to disciple, to instruct. Let, let us help with that. Let us supplement it and, and, and let us do our part. And it gives them to the opportunity to interact with others, their age too, in sure. that context. So, yeah. And I, especially, um, middle school and, and high school, I think that's important because what is our goal? Of course, it's to bring these children into adulthood and so they do need to learn how to interact with peers. And it's also important. They, it, we have to acknowledge this. Middle schoolers and high schoolers do face challenges that are unique to that to that age. Yeah. I mean, you think about your teenage years, right? There's, there's unique challenges there. And so it's good for them to be able to, I think, um, interact mm-hmm. yeah. on their level yeah. about those things. Yeah. And, I, you know, one more thing on this point. Uh, we also have decided and, and we're resolved in this regard that – um, those who are involved with the teaching of children or youth, they need to be qualified, right. equipped to teach. Right? The idea here is that when we do start our uh, Sunday school for children, uh, I'm not sure how long it'll take to get that going, but hopefully not too long. It's going to be primarily elders who teach it. You know, I'm excited for our elders to have that opportunity. I think yeah, they're going to love it. I'm excited for the kids, you know, one more opportunity for them to get to know the leadership of the church, the elders, and to, to, to benefit from their teaching. Um, I would imagine the day would come where there will be others who are, who will be involved in the teaching, but they'll need to be, um, inspected, uh, approved, uh, uh, also trained, equipped, background checked, background checked. <laughs> no, but you know, we, we have like a license to preach process at Emmaus. Yeah that if someone from the church is going to preach, there's a process to that. It's not, oh, you have something to share. Get on up there, brother. You right. know? No, it, it, there has to be some sort of process here to where the, the individual is, um, you know, we lay hands on them. We commission them to yeah. that task. I think that's super important for, for the people, for the person actually doing that preaching too, that's been licensed. That's a huge like, hey, we're behind you and, and teaching. But it's also just this, you know, hey, to the pe- to the people and to the parents that, are having their kids taught. It's like, yeah, they're, they're allowed to, yeah, there, have been, there's been some standard that's been, uh, or a list of standards that have been met and, uh, it, achieved. So it, 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 uh, I don't know. It makes me tremble a bit to think about what, what sometimes happens in children's ministry. Right. Yeah. 
it really is more of a, okay, we've done a criminal background check and you've passed it. Well, yeah, it. And that's the, I, I said that as a, <laughs> kind of a joke, but it's, but yeah. But it is. You, you've, yeah. you've passed that, therefore you're in charge of this group of children. Okay. Yeah. Now, if it's just child care. That's one thing. That's but, one thing. Yeah. But if it's instruction. So now what are we doing? We're outsourcing perhaps to, to the church as parents. You, you, you teach my children faith. That, that already is a bad move. But then we're outsourcing to what? You know, what's the curriculum? What, yeah. what is actually having crafts or is there instruction? And then, and then if there's instruction, who, who's the one who's teaching it? Mm-hmm. Do, do, they, um, do they have sound doctrine? Or, you know, and our tendency is to say, well, it's just the kids. What? <laughs> right. It's just the kids. <laughs> right? I, I think it's the kids. It, it, it better be those who we know have sound doctrine and who have the ability to teach. I would actually argue it's more difficult to teach children than adults. Yeah. Because here we have these incredibly important and deep, rich truths uh, that we want to give to them, but you have to be able to explain it in a way that they can understand. If you, you write it, that yeah. that that's hard. I think if you teach the Trinity to a five-year-old, you can teach the Trinity about the Trinity to an adult, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, right. I, I think again, just just to make that point, um, uh, it's okay for the church to engage children and youth in an age-specific level. It's good. Not undermining the parents' authority, not undermining the parents' responsibility, um, and also doing so um, in a way that's responsible and careful. Not yeah. saying it's yeah. just the kids, but man, it's the kids. Yeah. So we had better do this well. Yeah. That's cool. Let's talk about the practical issue of managing young children in the worship service. Yeah. And what can parents do to succeed in this? That's really what I wanted to get to today. Um, so if, uh, if you're kind of new to Emmaus, maybe, and you're listening to this, I guess the first part of it has been trying to convince you of the the importance of family to being to get the family being together in worship, right? Uh, the rationale. Uh, this, I guess, is addressing a little bit more of the practical issues. Um, I get it that it can be intimidating. So, so you have a church. You, you walk into a church, especially if you're new to it, and it's a kind of a sacred time. <laughs> it is a sacred time, right? Uh, and it can be kind of a terrifying thing. You have two or three kids on your hip and you're just wondering what the, when when are they going to blow? You know, (laughs) when are they going to just start going nuts? Uh, When are they going to lose it? And so I I get the fear here. I, I, the the first thing I need to say is probably you should come to church with realistic expectations. Okay. Um, First of all, you, you need to know that our expectation is not that the children would be completely silent. That's, I think some parents just come in, all wound up because here they are assuming that we're going to be ticked if the kids make a peep. Right, and they'll get judgmental stares from the congregation or whatever else. Yeah, just trust know. me. In the, when we decided to go this route, we we were realistic in it. We knew we knew that it would be um, a different kind of church experience and that there's going to be noise. There's going to be rustling. There's going to be cries. There's going to be some chatter. And we determined that the one who's preaching is going to have to get over that and learn to focus through it. And the congregation as a whole is going to have to buy into it and learn to focus even through 
some background noise. And if we're all honest with ourselves, that's the kind of noise we experience in every everyday life anyway. It is. So. <laughs> yeah. It, it, so so that's our expectation. Yeah. It's not that the kids would be absolutely silent, but that there would be a little bit of commotion. There's a limit to that. Yeah. There there is. I mean, you in in I think most people just intuitively kind of get it when it's crossed a line. I need to walk out, you know. Mm. Um we, I suppose it's kind of subjective, right? Where is the line on that? Yeah. Um, but we've never had to address that with anybody right. saying, you know, hey, you know, your kid shouldn't be thumping the person on in front of them on the back of the head the whole story. You know, we've <laughs> never had to do anything like that. People just get it. The, the kid's fussy for a little bit. They give it. They give it a little bit of time, but if it's clear that this isn't coming to an end, you know, and the crying's only going to get louder, the parents naturally know it's time to get up and, and walk out of the service and, and to go into the toddler center area that we have and to listen to the sermon on the speaker or whatever. Um, but you need to come in as a parent with that expectation that the children are going to be a little bit restless. Um, that's okay. Uh, and that helps a lot just right there because I think a, a lot of the pressure people feel, you know, is unwarranted from the beginning. Um, I think it's also incredibly important. And if I were to emphasize any point being made here, it's this one, prepare for worship ahead of time. Mm. You've got to prepare ahead of time. If, if you're trying to teach your children how to behave in church on the fly in the middle of the you know, second point of a three point sermon, it's, it's not going to go well. You can't instruct then. You know what I'm saying? Hey, that's not the time for it. So you have to you have to prepare for worship ahead of time. And what I mean by that is you should explain to your children beforehand what what worship is and why it's important. I mean, sit them down and have a talk. Not an angry talk, right? But just a talk. Okay, son or daughter, we're going to go to church tomorrow. And it's important, isn't it, that we worship God. And so when we get there, here's how what you're to do. Um I want you to work on singing when the songs are being sung. And during the sermon, you need to you need to be quiet. You know, it's not time to go to the bathroom. It's not time to get a drink of water. We want to be respectful to those around us. You see, so it's a preparation that's being made here. Um, and I just, I wonder if parents uh, fail to do that, you know. And so here the kids are acting up a bit and doing things they shouldn't do, but the kids don't know they shouldn't do those things, perhaps, because they've never been taught. We learned early on it's important for us to bring proper supplies with us to church. We have what we call the Bible bag, you know. <laughs> it's in our front <laughs> closet, and it's a collection of not only their Bibles, but um, uh, notebooks and um, pens and, and stuff like that. Uh, so we just took the time to think, okay, what do we want them to have? And we would need to make sure that we have it there with us. We need water with us at church, too. That's always an important thing because they get thirsty. Um we also learned early on, the first few weeks that we were doing this, that it's possible to bring way too much, you know? So bring things that will help make it through the service. But when you start bringing too much stuff, that becomes a problem also. Like what is what is too much? Well, just, okay, so I, I, if I remember right, we had one of those boxes that had a bunch of crayons and pencils in it, uh-huh. you know? Yeah, I know, yeah. Okay, that thing's noisy. That thing gets kicked over, <laughs> that thing spills, and then the kids start talking, pass me, pass me the purple one. Or, you know, it, it just creates, you know, I remember it creating all sorts of problems. What do they need? A pencil. 
So that's just an illustration. You know, don't yeah, don't bring yeah. their toy chest because that's probably going to be probably but <laughs> something to help them get through the service. Maybe would be a good idea. Um, I think also getting to church early is very important um, because then you're able to help them settle. Right, uh, you're able to say, "Hey, go to the bathroom and come back." So you're not asking me to go during the service. So that that's super important. Get to church early. Also, it just helps. I mean, if if the whole family's frantic. Everyone's yelling at each other, rushing out the door. Everyone's angry and uptight, and you run into church right as the opening prayer is going on after the announcements or something. You're trying to find a seat. I mean, how do you think the service is going to go? So it's not that difficult. You know, the church service starts at 10 o'clock. Come at 945. Come at 930. Walk in calmly. Take them take them to the restroom at 950. Come back. Get your seat. And there's more of a calm, settled sort of thing. Give them final instructions at the time. Hey, remember, this is what we're going to do, right? Um, I think that's important. I have here also have them use the restroom before the service. I've already said that like five times, so it's probably important. (laughs) That said, without fail, man, we'll send our kids to the restroom and still they'll be over there like looking at us like they're about to die, you know, because they got to go again. Okay. Um, We'll talk about that in just a moment. But uh, yeah, it's about preparation. Pray with them. So communicate them to them the, the, the sacredness of the time. Uh, pray that the Lord would bless uh, the worship service, that God would be glorified, that the people would learn. That has an impact upon their heart over time. And uh, I also I think it's important to establish these expectations that I've been talking about and consequences associated with breaking those expectations. So... I know this isn't what everyone wants to hear, but you got a parent. You got a discipline. Lovingly, uh, patiently. But this is a time for them to learn how people are to obey to, to, to um to, to behave in a setting like this, you know. So let me give you an example from my family, okay? <laughs> just just to be clear, we have good Sundays, we have bad ones. We have four kids. Right now, their age is 12, 11, almost 10, and, well, I guess they're all about to have their birthdays. Anyways, 12, 11, 9, and 7, okay? 12 and 11, we're good. If we have problems with them, yeah, we got issues, right? (laughs) They're doing well. Uh, Nine-year-old, doing pretty good. Still, we get the issue of a panicked look. I got to go to the bathroom or something like that. Seven-year-old. God bless him. We love him. <laughs> but he can make life difficult sometimes, right? So my wife, <laughs> it's fun. It's really fun preaching, actually. And I, I don't look. They always sit off to my left. And I don't make eye contact, but I can sense when my wife's having a bad day with the kid. You just There's movement over there, you know? And, um, and, and, and just kind of repetitive things, you know? Just the same mistakes being made over and over again. I, I, our youngest needing to use the restroom twice during the service and poking at my wife, you know, on her arm or something or trying to talk to the, his sibling or, or whatever. And so, I, you know, here, here's the deal. These are the expectations and here's the con- consequence. If, um, if you need to use the bathroom, okay, but it's going to cost you an hour in your room when we go home from church. Every trip to the bathroom costs you an hour in your room. So it's your decision, Right. It's amazing all of a sudden it's not so urgent, you know, because <laughs> I think what it was is he just wanted to get up and move around. Okay. It wasn't so much that he really had to go. But 
you know, expectations and consequences. So a trip to the bathroom is going to cost you an hour in your room. And yeah, there, there are emergencies, but you should have went ahead of time and on and on you go. Uh, for you to get into a, a bickering match with your sister in the middle of the church service is going to cost you three hours in your room, right? That's just how we're going to do it. And uh, so far that's helped a lot because that little word can be spoken to the child in the middle of the service, right? But you got to go, okay, it's going to cost you an hour. And then you see them thinking about it. <laughs> Never mind. Right? Um, and so I think that's important. What are the expectations? What are the consequences? Right? And then we need to follow through on those consequences, follow up with the kids after the service. If 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 they've broken the rules, there need to be those consequences that are actually delivered so you're not just full of hot air. But also, how did it go in church today? What did you hear? What did you learn? How was the behavior? And then you talk about it. You don't blow up at your kids. You don't get angry. But just week after week, you consistently discuss these things. And there's going to be progress over time. There's got to, going to be progress over time. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, prepare ahead of time. You need to prepare on Saturday night. Get them to bed at a reasonable hour. Pray for the worship that's going to take place on the Lord's Day. Wake up at a reasonable hour. Get to church on time. Talk about what's expected. Follow up afterwards. And um, also throughout the week, have these discussions. You alluded to it earlier, Mike, and I think it's huge. One way to help your children develop the ability to sit still for a period of time is to do family worship in the home. You know, teach them what it is to pay attention to something for five minutes if they're real little, and then for 10, and then for 15 or something over time. You know, I can still remember with Damon, uh, this was years ago when we when we first started doing... Uh, uh, worship in this way i mean it was challenging i'll admit it he was squirrely as heck the way we made progress with it was in addition to the other things i've already said um was to just sit down a couple of times a week and to be real still and to read a passage of scripture or to read some other book too by the way this this works too to where he's he needs to be in one spot for 10 or 15 minutes and it's there in that environment that you could really instruct and really teach um that discipline, right? So I think family worship is important. You can practice these things there. Also think about where you are sitting in the sanctuary and how your kids are situated in, in, in relation to one another. We, we've learned there's a certain pattern that works. There's a certain pattern that doesn't work. I usually don't get to sit right next to my wife in the worship service because we need to be between the children, you know, uh, it may be that the back's good for you because your kids are at that age where you might need to make a rapid escape. It might be that up front would be better because you're seeing that things are pretty much under control, but it would help them to engage in the service more, right? Mm. But just think about all those things. Partner with other people too. So I brought up the issue earlier. What about the single mom who's walking in with three kids on her hip? How how Okay, how's the church going to address that situation, Joe? Well, our hope would be that others within the church would love to come alongside and say, hey, could I help you? Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, can we sit with you and uh, maybe divide up the children a little bit and, and help to, to get you through the, the service? So partner with other people. Um, consistency is the key. Someone was explaining to me the other day, I mean, really spotty in attendance. I mean, once every month or, or six weeks. You know, Joe, I just, oh, it, I'm, fr- I, I'm frustrated about the kids. My response is, well, one of the best things you could do is just be there Sunday after Sunday 
and work on these things. They're not going to get better at it unless they're consistently in church and consistently being instructed in these things week after week, right? Um, a couple more things I'd like to say on this. One, because it is important, I would hope that you would w- be willing to be distracted for a little while for the sake of your children. Yeah, that's good. It's an important one. So I'm looking at you and Jana, right? You got... So yeah, we have a two-year-old and a nine-month-old. Two-year-old, nine-month-old. Okay. <laughs> There's a bunch of people at Emmaus who are in that boat right now. Yeah, yeah. And I see it. And I'm I'm up during, you know, during songs and stuff. Cause, so it's just Jana and the two kids or... Yeah. And, I'm, and we're, we're huge with... I mean, we... We're partnering with people. We're an example of that. <laughs> so we have people help us. So, but yeah. Yeah. And I see a lot of parents in this boat where they're, they're up and down, you know, they're having to sometimes go outside for a minute or go to the toddler center and come back. And yeah. Yep. I, I get it. Like you probably long for the day where you could just sit and sing and listen to a sermon and that's it. Right. And that day's coming. Yeah. But when they're real little, I just I think it's worth the investment. I think because of the reasons stated above, the importance of this issue, it's worth the investment mm-hmm. to be a little bit distracted for a period of time. Also, by the way, people can work on their ability to concentrate even with commotion. Mm-hmm. That that can be a skill that's learned. You know, it's possible to, on the one hand, be kind of wrestling your kid a little bit, and to still have an ear bent towards the the, the sermon, right? Not all people are very good at that. It, it's some, but but I think it, it can be worked. It can be cultivated. It can be worked mm-hmm. on. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, definitely. I mean, again, you we talked about this earlier, but even in my two year old, I see stuff in him that he observes just in the, you know, because he goes, he does go in the toddler center for a while most of the time, you know, in most Sundays, but it's even in the short time that he's not there, you know, while you're preaching or something there's things that he observes. He's seeing other, he's seeing us looking at you or he's seeing, you know, other adults. Like, I think I'm convinced that he's noticing those things. And I mean, even at his younger age, uh, you know, that's going to have an impact on him. I'm sure. Yeah, no, so. I agree. We've mentioned the toddler center a couple of times and I just re- realized we didn't really explain what that is. We, we oh. do have a little place in the library. Uh, we meet at a school. So in the library, there's like a nice mat there and a little fence, for, you know, a little cage uh, for him and uh, some toys. Well, what's that all about? Well, we've decided that – and we've also uh, staffed it. We do have volunteers who are willing to watch the kids in there each Sunday, uh, ages one and a half to three. To three, yeah. Okay. And the idea is this. If they're younger than one and a half, they probably need mom and dad. Okay. So mom and dad, if they have to, can take them in the, there themselves and sit with them and listen to the sermon on a speaker. Mm-hmm. Okay. But one and a half to three, as I think about that, I mean, that's a tough age because it's hard to reason with the little ones. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're mobile. They're they're they're, they're walking pretty good. They're squirrely, and it's it is kind of hard to reason with them. You know. Yeah. Um, so so we we are willing to flex a little bit here and to understand that as a practical. I mean, they're they're real young. They're not understanding a whole lot, and they are hard to reason with. Right. So uh, we do have the toddler center available. For them, but the idea is that by age three, you know, and our hope is actually that parents, if they desire, wouldn't even make use of it if they desire to right. just keep the kid in the service all the time. That's fine too, um, but we do have that little that little source of a re- relief there. Um, I will also say the sermon is piped in on a speaker, 
I've never had to sit in there and try to listen to the sermon on the speaker, right? I'm always the one uh, preaching. It works. It, it works? Yeah, okay. Totally. I think sometimes it, it, there's a lot of commotion in that yeah, room. Yeah, it depends on you know, what's going on in there. depends but. on the day. Um, but it's there. It's an attempt. Yeah. Also, we're working on being able to live stream the sermon online. Yep. And I think that could be even more helpful because if we get that done – it would be possible for someone to be live streaming the service on their cell phone. Not so that you can stay at home, mind you, come to church, <laughs> but so that you can be at church. And if the little one's squirrely, maybe you could even walk outside and let them kind of pace around and you can have it on your phone with headphones yeah. in or something yep. like that. Yep. Right. And you'd be in your own world a little bit more able to listen to the sermon while managing your kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the point I'm making is it's worth the effort to, for a time, be a bit distracted. I sit up in the front because I'm always having to go up front, you know, during the service. So I don't see a lot. Of, I, I hear it is pretty entertaining actually to be in the back and to be watching all that's going on. <laughs> I don't, you sit more in the back. Do you notice uh, that? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a challenge. Uh-huh. <laughs> and parents are having to wrestle with their kids and there's a lot of little things that are going on, but I, I, it's worth it. It's worth it. I think we're so used to it as a church. Honestly, I, I think, if there was any adjustment period, it was pretty quick. I think a lot of people are more excited about it than they would be distracted or annoyed by it. The, so. the people who are members of Emmaus who are there, I, I don't know of anyone who's griping about this. Right. No. It, that Maybe there are and I don't know about it, but my perception of it is that everyone's all in mm-hmm. on this issue. Yeah. I guess this podcast is maybe intended more for those who are newer mm-hmm. to the church, right, and not quite convinced that this is a – the thing to do. Um, the last thing I would say on, on, uh, you know, the practical issues is be patient with your kids. There's probably nothing worse than every week getting in the car and ripping their heads off. Right. (laughs) Because of how bad, you you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, think about that. Now, what do they associate church with? Oh yeah. That's, where we go to get in trouble, <laughs> you know, every <laughs> Sunday, it's where, right. I, that's so, so there needs to be realistic expectations. Uh, the kids need to know what's expected of them. There need to be consequences. There has to be parenting and guide, guidance involved and, you know, but with patience and in love, you know, it's a process. We all understand that. So be patient with yourself, be patient with your kids. Uh, I mean, my hope is that our, our kids just love coming to church. It's true of my kids. I, I'm really pleased with that. They love coming to church. They love hearing that it's Fellowship Meal Sunday, by the way. That's like the doesn't group. love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Damon will ask about that all month. So, hey, is it Fellowship Meal Sunday? Um, you know, and, and I think the, the other kids love it too. I love interacting with them, the, the, the little ones, you know. Yeah. It, it's such a joy to me. I just saw two of them uptown. Uh, today you know and they come up and it, it's just a sweet time i think you don't it's easy to forget how little you would see kids if it, if you didn't have them in the service like that mm-hmm. I, I i agree with that i feel like i've interacted with so many of the other kids um, around our church so much more than than in the past because of this right I think that's a cool thing yeah I love it when they come up and call me Pastor Joe, you know, with their little squeaky voice, Pastor Joe. <laughs> One gave me a note the other day. She wasn't able to make it because she was sick, but she sent a note with her mom, you know, and it just had a little memo on there about about angels or something like that with a little drawing. And, you know, it's like, that's cool, right? That, that's a cool thing. It's a privilege for a pastor to be able to have that sort of interaction with 
with a child, you know, from, from a young age on yeah. up. Really neat. Well, a lot of this has been directed towards parents. And what would you say that is something that needs to be said to the church as a whole? I think it's obvious the entire church needs to be committed to this model, right? Yeah. Everybody's kind of involved. Everybody needs to be in agreement that this is super important and that it's worth the effort. It's worth it, you know, to have noises in the service and, and to have to learn to focus despite of that, um, d- despite that. Uh, so the the whole church needs to be uh, committed. The whole church needs to be patient. The whole church needs to be in prayer about this. And I, I would really encourage those without children in the home to think about ways that they can support parents. Yeah. In this task, you know, being mindful of some of the difficulty. Hey, can I help you out? You got to be careful with that, I guess, you know, Um, but, but just to be mindful, how can I support this, um, this effort here? And I would just encourage those who are older to engage with those who are younger. And I would encourage the same of the younger, younger people engage with the older. So I'm thinking here primarily of middle schoolers, high schoolers who I enjoy meeting with, go up and talk with adults you know about real things. Uh, that, that's that's the kind of thing we want to see is that that life to life, multi generational interaction going on. But it has to be something that we're intentional about and that we work to facilitate um, week to week. Right. You know. I mean, that that alone by itself is just an awesome thing to work towards. Is that more involvement with each other? Um, each member and tender of Emmaus being more involved with each other as families and getting to know each other more that leads to this kind of thing, encouraging and being able to help with kids and all that stuff. So yeah, it's good. We love it, you know, and we just want to see it continue. And, uh, I'm very happy with where the folks who are at Emmaus now are at in regard to it. I'm just, you know, a bit concerned for those who are new to the church that, uh, want want to provide a rationale to them. And, uh, thus this, uh, this podcast. So, um, praise the Lord. Let's, you know, continue to pray for our children, that they would make a credible profession of faith, that they would grow up in the faith that, They've been given since the time that they were young, you know. Um, the Lord has certainly given them a privileged place in that they are in some way sanctified or set apart, uh, you know. Um, what does that mean? It's not that they are born into salvation or born into the covenant, but what it means is that they're they're born into a situation where they're in close proximity to the gospel. Mm-hmm. They're in close proximity to the things of God. They, they have this wonderful privilege of being able to be exposed to all of this from a young age. Why would, why would we take that from them in any form or fashion? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think we need to allow them to reap the full benefits associated with that, that privileged place they have um, because they were born into a family with believing parents, with a believing parent or believing parents. Well, if you have any other questions um, in regard to this topic, send us an email, talk to us in church. Um, again, email staff at emmauscf.org, E-M-M-A-U-S-C-F.org. Um, and it would be great to talk about it if there's anything we missed. And um, yeah, so thanks for tuning into this episode and we'll see you next time. Until then, abide in Christ. Mm-hmm.